0: Wow. Well, Happy Mother's Day to our moms, to our grandmothers, and you know what? There are a lot of special ladies in our lives that I wish Happy Mother's Day to as well. Motherhood is a choice that you make every day. To put someone else's happiness and well-being ahead of your own, to teach the hard lessons, to do the right thing, even when you don't always know what the right thing is, and to forgive yourself over and over again for doing everything wrong. <laughs> Today I want to talk about how extraordinary moms are, and we're going to use the life of Jacobed, who's the mother of Aaron. Miriam, and Moses. So we need to know a little bit about Jochebed's story. Now we know that in Egypt, Joseph brought his entire family to the land of Egypt. And we know that they lived in the land of Goshen, alongside the Egyptians. But the book of Exodus starts after Joseph is dead after his brothers are dead, after their children are dead, after his legacy has long gone. And we have a new king, Pharaoh, and he doesn't know anything about Joseph or Yahweh. But what he does know is there's a heck of a lot of Israelites living in the land of Goshen. So many that they were worried, what if... They revolt. What if they join another country and take us over? We've got to come up with a plan to figure this out. We need to stop this multiplication. So Pharaoh decided he would make them slaves. Not only did they become slaves, but they were beaten. They were subjected to hard labor. They were hated and feared by the Egyptians but God continued to bless his people and there were lots of babies well out of fear Phose's, pharaoh decided not Phose's, pharaoh decided that he needs another plan and so he came up with this terrible plan and he put out a kill order on all hebrew baby boys And this kill order was given to the midwives who delivered the babies for the Hebrew women. And he said, when they come out, check the gender. And if they're boys, kill them. And if they're girls, let them live. The midwives fortunately disobeyed this order and defied the king. They defied him because they were too faithful to to Yahweh. But this came at great risk to themselves and their families. They were heroes. And so what did God do? God blessed the Hebrew women, and they had more babies. Well, Pharaoh got really upset. He said, look, guys, this is getting at hand. And so his third attempt to limit the babies of the Hebrews was to involve the entire land of Egypt. If you're walking down the road and you see a newborn baby, throw him into the Nile. This is mass genocide. But despite Pharaoh's persecutions, the people multiplied. And the Egyptians continued to feel threatened by this mass size of the Israelites. So in, in, Genesis, in Exodus chapter 2, we see the stage is being set for the arrival of Moses. And he was born to parents who were Levites. And he was born a healthy, happy child. The Bible says his mother looked at on him and saw he was fine. So Jochebed, the mother, defied the king's evil decree, and she hid her son for three precious but terrifying months. Life would have been very difficult for her entire family during this time. Even more difficult, the time came when she could no longer hide this three-month-old baby. She had a tough choice to make, She had to leave his young life in the hands of God. In poetic fashion, she decided to obey the king's order and to cast into the Nile her Hebrew son. Now, hope for his survival is evident in every single step that she took to make his survival possible. She created a, a basket boat that would float She lined it with pitch and tar to make it waterproof. She lined it also with soft fabric to make him comfortable. And then she strategically placed that basket on the side of the Nile River, where the Egyptian women would walk past. She hoped I imagined, she hoped, that a loving, kind Egyptian woman would come by and rescue her son from certain death. In anticipation of that, she had her daughter, Miriam, on guard to watch and wait. You know, moms have extraordinary courage. I look at Jacobet, and I can't imagine the terror that she felt being pregnant not knowing if it was a boy or girl, but knowing if it was a boy, he would be sentenced to death. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine the terror and the anxiety that she felt hiding that little baby for three months knowing that her defiance of the king's kill order jeopardized her entire family. Every knock on the door, every voice that passed by the window, every hushed cry in the middle of the night, washing his diapers and hanging them out to dry, terror and bliss. We see the courage of Jochebed as she struggled to make the right decision for the survival of her little boy. Now, I want you to imagine the Nile River. It's full of dangers. And everybody knew there were tons of different varieties of venomous snakes. There were crocodiles. There were hippopotamuses who would eat babies. There was disease-carrying mosquitoes that one sting from this mosquito would kill her baby. And then there were the nature, the natural dangers, the heat, the unrelenting, scorching heat from the sun. There was the dangers of someone coming by, discovering the baby boy and throwing him in the Nile. There was the worry that the basket would fail and her baby would drown. Jacobed knew she was going to lose her son. She just didn't know how. A tough, tough decision. But she stood on the promises, and she stood in faith, that Yahweh loved his children, Israel. And she trusted God. You know, sometimes I think knowing the story and knowing the end of the story kind of takes away the tension of the story. We're sheltered from really seeing how afraid she was how terrified she was, and how much courage it really took for her to defy the king, to keep him hidden for three months, and to put him in that basket. Mamas, I want you to have courage. Every day we all face a variety of trials, and they change from day to day, and they vary from person to person, and it could be as simple, as first-world problems and annoyances. I mean, you've had that, right? Another red light. How many more diapers before we can save money? But it could be devastating loss and heartbreaking news. Ah, mamas, I know that you know how exhausting and yet exhilarating being the mama of a newborn is. The mama of a toddler, a preschooler, a teenager, even even being the mama of an adult, right? Physically, mentally, and emotionally, now we know the heavier weight is on the younger child. Parenting at every stage is overwhelming and downright scary because we know there is no manual for each child. Man, I don't know if you know this, but in the middle of your mama's head is, how can I keep this precious baby alive one more night? How can I teach them everything they need to know to be happy and successful? What what if I mess it up? What what if I mess them up? How sick do they have to be before I take them to the hospital? Will I ever get through to my teenager? Will they ever listen to me? There's a lot of stress being a mama. You know, a TikTok creator posted that flamingos lay just one egg a year, and the energy of raising that one chick drains so much out of both parents that they lose their pink color. Their white feathers signal, please leave me alone, I'm exhausted from breeding, I'm doing the best I can, and I'll join the dancing later. Wouldn't it be great if we had a physical sign like white feathers so everybody would know that we're really struggling to cope, help me? But here's the good news. Once the flamingo chick becomes more self-sufficient, the parents gain their pink color back. A zoologist, Dr. Rose, remarked that as a flamingo, the pinker you are, the healthier and better quality you are. It's a direct reflection of how well you are doing. So take courage, mamas, because you too can look forward to the time when your child becomes more independent, more self-sufficient, and you will get your pink back. The Lord gets this. He knows. I remember reading in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua was on the brink of taking over from Moses. Yeah, we went through the whole book of Exodus there. And Joshua has been with Moses the entire time. And he knows the children of Israel were a tough crowd. And now he had the task of becoming the new father of faith. And I bet he lost many a sleepless night wondering how this was going to go. But the Lord personally spoke to Joshua and said, Be strong and courageous. This is my command. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And mamas, this morning God is telling us to be strong and courageous and that he will be with us always. The actress Halle Berry tweeted, For me... Motherhood is learning about the strengths I didn't know I had and dealing with the fears I didn't know existed. So, mamas, you are not alone, and I need you to, to take courage this morning. I, it's just really important that you remember that God is on his throne. He's not surprised by anything that's happening and that he's working everything for the good for his purpose. And we learn this lesson of being courageous from the most devastating moments of Jacobed's life. So may you continue to be extraordinary and courageous women. From Jacobed, we also learn that moms have extraordinary love. Agatha Christie wrote, a mother's love for her child is like nothing else in this world. It knows no law, no pity. It dares all things, and it crushes down remorselessly all that stands in its path." It's a pretty good description. The love of a mother marks and uniquely makes our human experience. In fact, human children remain dependent on their parents far longer than any other species of animals. Even the word mother can make you think of self-sacrificing, self-sacrificing love, nurturing care, and life-giving energy. And God understands this because he says to the children of Israel in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, as a mother comforts her child, I shall comfort you. Father Paul Virchow noted, if Christians can say God is love, their first and most powerful experience of human love usually starts in the womb and continues in the arms of a mother. Mothers, we know, spend lots of time with their children, both young and old. They become experts in their children's likes, dislikes, fears, Joys, hurts, and passions. I mean, they're their biggest cheerleaders, and they're the greatest experts on their children. I would imagine most of you have said, no, he doesn't like that. No, don't give him that food. He likes this better. And doesn't your mom just know exactly what you need when you walk into her house? Mamas, they know us well, and they invest time in us. They love us and. Un- Conditionally. And they never give up on us. Moms will do almost anything in their power to make sure that their children are happy and thriving. They will give up their bodies. They will give up their sleep. They will give up their time, (laughs) their personal space, their favorite foods. Yes, we can go to McDonald's. Their personal time, their freedom, and so much more. But in return, moms feel the joy of that first breath the baby takes. They get a new purpose. They have a new perspective on life. They have new pride in everything their baby does. They are becoming a new person who delights in the love and joy of life from their children Children give us the privilege of being mom. So we saw that Jochebed gave up safety for herself and for her family to save her newborn son. She kept him, sick, she kept him safe for three months because she loved him. She worked a plan to help him survive. She trusted God to keep him safe in his way because she couldn't figure out any other way. Now the good news is, you've probably read this story, that an Egyptian woman did walk by. And do you remember who it was? It was Pharaoh's daughter. (laughs) I mean, that's really crazy, right? Do you remember what the angel Gabriel said to Mary when he told her that you're gonna have a child and God was gonna be the father? And she said, I don't know how this could be. And he said, for God, Nothing is impossible, that's this story too. Exodus tells us that Pharaoh's own daughter hears the baby crying, and when they open the basket, she knows he's a Hebrew boy. She knows what the law is. Everybody knew what the law was. She could tell by the color of his skin. She could tell by the fact that he was in the Nile because no Egyptian mother was putting their baby in the Nile. And she could tell because he was circumcised. But here's the interesting thing. After all that Pharaoh tried to do to get rid of those Hebrew baby boys, his very own daughter defied his kill order to kill this Hebrew baby she not only rescues the baby and decides to bring him home, but I imagine that she stood toe-to-toe with her father and said, I will raise him here and he will be my son. Imagine Pharaoh, the grandfather of a Hebrew baby. Come on, that's pretty funny. And in the most unlikely situation, Miriam introduces to the the adoptive mother, Pharaoh's daughter, the birth mother, without Pharaoh's daughter even knowing. But there is even more craziness in this story. So Miriam goes to the princess, and she's been trained. Her mom set her up for this, and she says, I see that you're thinking of keeping this baby, but would you like me to find you a wet nurse from among the Hebrew women? And the princess princess says, yes, please. So Miriam goes and brings her mother, the baby's mother, to the princess and says she will wet nurse and take care of the baby until he's weaned. And the princess says, take this baby and care for this baby for he is very precious to me. And... I will pay you to do it. Okay, so many things, right? Not only does Jochebed get her baby back, not only does she get to spend the next couple years with her baby in the safety and protection of Pharaoh's home, but as a slave family, they get paid to do it. Now that is God taking care of his children. You know, there's just no way Jochebed could ever in a million years imagine this scenario. And we do the same thing, don't we? We try to figure out how we could get this, how we could do this, what, what's, what should we do next? But God, he's extraordinary. Scholars say that in ancient cultures, babies were nursed until about two or three years old before they went to solid food. So the most formative time, because today our studies show that the learning curve for a child is exponentially upwards until the age of two, and then it levels off. Think about this. Moses stayed with his Hebrew mother during the most faith-formative time of his life. And there were no babies his age. You can imagine that this short time that Jochebed had with her son, because she knew it had an expiry date, you know that it would have been so precious, but so short. And I I can just imagine her telling him every possible Hebrew story from the time of creation until Joseph and his legacy and what brought them to Egypt and how great Yahweh was. And I think she invested every moment she possibly could so that he would know about his Hebrew roots before he went to the palace to become an Egyptian. And I... I can only imagine the day that came when he was ready to change houses. She had to give him up again. She didn't know what his future held. I mean, he was going to live with the king, right? She didn't know if she would ever see him again. She wasn't sure that he would remember his Jewish heritage or Yahweh. She didn't know if he would ever remember how much she loved him. But for him to live, she knew he had to leave. Extraordinary love Jacobet had for her son. And she gave him up again to save his life. And my heart aches for this Mama. And for all the mamas who have had to give up their baby, their child, so that they could have a better life. The love and sacrifice that this takes is unimaginable. Who could ever understand? John 3.16 tells us, you know this verse, for God so loved the world That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not die, but have everlasting life. God gets it. God loved his son, but he loved his children. And he gave up and sacrificed so we could live forever. Mamas never stop loving their children. Never. Jill Savage says, A mother's love must be given unconditionally to establish trust and a firm foundation of emotional intimacy in a child's life. But just as a fire can warm you, a fire can burn you. Being a mom can be rewarding and gut-wrenching at the same time. Whether your memories of your own mother are unpleasant, whether your child has struggled with a long illness or an early death, through the difficulty of disconnections or loss, mamas, I know you still love. This Easter... I was struck with the first words of Jesus on the cross. And they were loving words to his mother. And he was on the cross in agony and pain, saving us, but his first words were for his mother and making sure that she was cared for after he was gone. Because at that time, mothers, widows, and orphans were destitute and left on the street to beg. But from the cross, Jesus loved his mother. So your extraordinary love, mamas, pay dividends. So as Jochebed gave her son life and a future, it wasn't with her or their family. It was with another mother in a different culture and a different home. But Jacobed loved him and gave him what he needed at extraordinary cost to her. Mamas, your love fosters self-confidence, and it provides a solid foundation to help your children's minds develop and for their integrity to develop. You are creating the future of the world. So when you are struggling, when you are exhausted, remember the love and joy in the eyes of your child as they take your face in their hands, and I'm sure they've all done this to you. Mama, I love you so much, I'm never gonna leave you. My daughter said that, she lied. My favorite verse in the Bible is 1 John 3, verse 1, and it says, see how much, very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. And God understands the love, the extraordinary love we have for our children. The best thing God could give us was to call us his children, and Mama. Your children are so blessed because you have extraordinary love. And, Mama, you have extraordinary influence on your children. And I'm talking now not just to the mothers who birthed babies, I'm talking to every single special woman who has ever spent time with a child. Whether you're an auntie, whether you're an adopted auntie, whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a teacher or anyone, if you've spent time and invested in the lives of children, you have an extraordinary influence. James Faust says, The influence of a mother in the lives of her children is beyond calculation. Now, the story of Moses, and you have to know, Moses wasn't named by Jochebed. Moses was named by the Egyptian princess because it meant pulled out of the water, Moses. And so his story continues into the royal household. Time passes, Moses grows up. We don't hear much about the the formative years of Moses. But we do know he would have called his, his mother, "Muk" or mom in Egyptian. Pharaoh's daughter officially took over the care for Moses when he was weaned. Acts chapter 7, verse 23 says, Moses was about 40 years old when the story picks back up again. But I want you to remember when the princess first saw the baby in the basket boat, and she identified him as a Hebrew child. And at that moment, she made a decision to publicly defy her father's kill order. She stood up to her father and she insisted that this baby would become an Egyptian, her son. She stood up against injustice. And I believe that she taught her son the same characteristic. Funny, right? Yahweh, it convinces Pharaoh, who really is king. So Moses becomes a royal Kind of mind blowing, right? When you stop and think about it, and his his education would have covered astronomy and chemistry and mathematics and engineering and music and art and probably the ability to debate well. Pit a pit in that. He would have learned the art of war and languages and whatever else an Egyptian prince would need to know to be a good leader. God perfectly orchestrated events to uniquely prepare Moses for his future role. Now the Bible says that Moses knew he was Jewish. Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 says, "Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews." And he saw how hard they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. So this verse in particular lets you know Moses remembered. Now, I don't know if he remembered because he was with his mom for two, two or three years or because the princess let him know. But Moses sees this Hebrew being beaten. And he knows that but for his princess mother, this could have been him. You know, Moses probably was never in line for the throne. I mean, seriously, can you imagine the Pharaoh letting this Hebrew be the next Pharaoh? I can't see it. Actually, I can see the Pharaoh sneering at Moses every time, telling him, you're a Hebrew. It's because of my good favor I let you live here. No love lost between Moses and Pharaoh. But the Bible in Acts chapter 7 says that Moses benefited greatly from his Egyptian education. You think God knew that Moses needed to get the qualifications of a good leader, that slaves don't get that? In the Bible reference website, it says, the book of Exodus describes Moses le- leading his people out of slavery, laying waste to Egypt in the prophet process. You know, the fact that Moses was adopted specifically because of the emphasize that Pharaoh himself had ordered is ironic. An order that was meant to oppress and contain and eliminate the Israel nation contributed to their rescue out of slavery. So Moses sees the injustice of this Hebrew by the Egyptians. And he takes actions. Not good. We never said that Moses was a quick thinker. I didn't say anything like that. But Moses flees. And he's out in the desert for 40 years. But that sense of injustice, And the influence that he got from his pharaoh mother and his Hebrew mother worked together to change his life purpose. The influence of a godly mother is tremendous, is extraordinary. John Wesley is really clear about his mother's godly influence on his life. He said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. John Wesley's mother, Susanna, she was a PK. She was a pastor's kid. And she had a father who said, I'm going to train you in everything that the boys get trained in. And she took that into her motherhood. She was married to a pastor in a really rural parish, and she devoted her life to her kids. Now, when we talk about kids, only the people from Guyana are going to understand this reference, but over the years, I I understand that this is true in Guyana, but it's not here. She had 19 children. I had two. I was enough. She had 19 children. Unfortunately, only 10 survived from infancy. But John Wesley was her 15th child. And Charles Wesley was her 18th child. I don't know. That's extraordinary. She gave all of her kids the same education she got. She homeschooled them. She also taught Sunday school classes, to herself, to her children, and to her staff. Word got around of what a great teacher she was, and people asked to join her in her little kitchen, and soon she had over 200 people in her kitchen Sunday school class. Huge influence. She also invested time individually with each one of her children. Every week, she would spend an hour individually with each child. That's a lot. She didn't have any of the modern conveniences that I have, and I'm telling you, that's a lot. And then, every day, she would sit on her stool in the kitchen. She would throw her apron over her head. And the children all knew that when Mama was on the stool, With the apron over her head, it was her time with God. Don't disturb her. And she would pray. And she would spend time with God. She had an extraordinary influence bringing her children to God. And every day, Susanna Wesley would pray, Dear God, guide me. Make my life count. Count. Her famous two sons, John and Charles Wesley, were instrumental in starting the Methodist Church on which the Church of the Nazarene comes. John Wesley preached for 35 years and he preached 40,000 sermons. Who was counting? I don't know. But he 40,000 sermons. His brother Charles wrote over 65,000 hymns and preached for 17 years. I think you agree with me. Susanna Wesley was an extraordinary influence on her children, on the faith formation of her children. And so, Mamas, the secret of giving your children a faith foundation is to not neglect your spiritual walk with the Lord. You need to make that your priority. Just like they say on the airplanes, if we hit turbulence and the the, the masks come down, who do you put the mask on first? Yourself. Then you have oxygen and you can help your children. You need to feed yourself. You need that relationship with God so you can give it to your children. We need to set a godly influence for our children. We need to model the behavior that we want them to pursue. We need to pray for them every day. We need to pray for their future. We need to pray for their their health. We need to pray for their studies. We need to pray for their friends. We even need to pray for their spouses. When my kids were little, I would pray for their spouses. It's kind of funny Great kindy. You know, you pray for your kid's spouse. But I would pray for my children. And everything that I prayed for my children, I prayed for their spouses. I prayed that God would keep them away from trauma. I prayed that God would keep them safe and healthy. I prayed that God would give them a good education. I prayed that God would make himself real in their lives. Because every part of your life affects who you are as an adult. And this is how we influence our child, our children, to become Christ followers. So, mamas, don't give up. Use your influence for your children's children's future. But I just, I know I need to stop, but I have one more thing I want to talk to you about. Mamas, you don't have to be alone in this. It was never meant for you to do the raising of your children by yourself. You need to stop trying to be super mom. Stop comparing yourself to people on social media or to the child that your friend has or your home to others. You need to understand the assignment. Paul talks about the gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit, and to some he gave this gift, and to some he gave that gift. But he didn't give all the gifts to all the people. Mamas, you don't need to be perfect. I'm not perfect. But there's only one person who was perfect, and that's Jesus. When Mary was told that she was gonna have baby Jesus, the angel Gabriel said to her, your cousin Elizabeth, who's really old, is also pregnant, which is really crazy. Go to her. You need other godly women in your life. Find a mama who needs a friend. Call your mom. Call your sister. Call your aunt. Call your best friend. Ask for help. If you've got white feathers, ask for help. Don't give up. You do influence your children, but you can also Control who else influences your children. You can bring people into their life. You can make sure their grandparents see them on a regular basis. If they're far, FaceTime. If they're close, knock on the door. I think our, my daughter would do this all the time. Yulia wants to come over to the condo. Yanni wants to have Nana time. Great for me. I had a full night's sleep. My house is clean. She could do what she needed to do. Use the people in your life to influence your children. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Think through your family members, your babysitters, your teachers, your coaches, the instructors, your friends, parents, small group leaders, employers. Who are the people in your children's life right now who already have influence? In their lives and ask yourself this question if my child won't or can't talk to me about something and it happens which adult in their life would they go to that represents our same family values and if you have middle or high schoolers ask them and then write down those names expand your circle Invite others into your circle. Make a list and be bold and ask them. Family game nights. A volunteer in the school, invite them for dinner. Sports coaches. Get to know who's in your children's lives and encourage them. Work hard. Show appreciation to them and thank them for the time that they spend with your children. Pray for them. Build relationships with them. Don't be alone in raising your children. I want to close with this. To the big kids in the room, you know your mom, you call her, you say, what do you want for Mother's Day? And she says, I don't need anything. That's true. But this is what she really means. What does your mom want for Mother's Day? She wants a hug, a text, a phone call. Conversation, a meal together, a thanks, Mom, to hear your voice, to look at your face, a how are you, Mom, an update without her asking, and I love you in any way you can think of giving her that message, to know you're happy and you're healthy because you mean everything to her. Happy Mother's Day.